Wow. Oh. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Diamond and Silk Chit Chat Live. We're your host, Diamond and Silk and Silk on Silk. Diamond on Diamond. Okay, so Silk, I'm so excited about the show. I don't want to rush it. I don't want to talk so fast. Okay. But I want you all to stop right now, and I want you to share this podcast, uh, podcast broadcast. Yes, share yes, yes, yes. Share a prank yes. speech. Share Lindell TV. I always tell you that sharing is caring. Sharing and if you care caring. about America, if you care about the state of America, yes. if you care about our economy, if you care about Americans' health, Yes, because we got to know what's going we on. We got to know what's going on here. You would share That's tonight. Right. That's right. Okay, because right. we have somebody on that I've been wanting to talk to, mm -hmm. to ask questions, and mm -hmm. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm excited tonight. So oh. I need for you all to share. If you have any questions, feel free to email them to diamondandsilk at gmail.com. Diamondandsilk at gmail.com. Now listen. Mm -hmm. We want to talk to this person, mm -hmm. so I don't have to. <laughs> don't just. I need for you all to go get your pencils and your papers yes. so that you can take notes. Tell everybody. Okay. And tell everybody they need that to be we are this show. over here. Yes. Okay. We're going to be talking to uh, the great Dr. Robert Malone. I'm just so excited about it. Yes. So I want you all to make sure that you share. One more thing that I want to say. Mm -hmm. Shout out to everybody on Getter that's watching us. We love y'all. Hey, Shout out to everybody on Roku. Hey, Roku. Shout out to CTA. TV that wow. stream our content and shout out to RSBN that stream all of our content. We love you all. Thank you so very, so much. very much. If you have not gotten your Frank social app, please go and get the app yes. at your app store or yes. in your app store. Mm -hmm. Download the app so you can stay updated and you dated with informed information that the mainstream media, even the media on the right is not telling you. They're That's not right. saying anything about it. No. They uh -uh. sitting up there, kicking on TV, uh -huh. and people dying left and right, left right, and right around us. Well, isn't it something that at the beginning of all of this right here, they had the, a ticker? They had a the ticker of people dying. All about the deaths. Now they ain't now, talking about people. Healthy people dropping dead. They ain't uh -huh. saying nothing about. They ain't about. saying nothing about. We just want to know what the heck is going on That's up here. That's right. That's why we have a doctor on. Okay. So yes. I don't want to prolong the time. I know I probably fast forwarded y'all, but I want to get straight to the nitty tonight. So straight to the nitty gritty tonight. That's right. So let me calm it down. He's an American physician and a biochemist. His early work focused on the mRNA technology. Mm -hmm. I want you all to please welcome to the show, Dr. Robert Malone. Yes. Doctor, hello, Dr. Malone. Hello, ladies. I'm uh, I'm overwhelmed uh, and I hope I can, I can think fast enough to stay uh, up up to date with what you're saying there because you fired off pretty fast. Well, I, <laughs> Dr. Malone, I need to talk to somebody that knows some things. Yes. And I was doing my research and I said, shame on the media for disparaging and demeaning somebody that came up with the technology. Mm -hmm. But they want to say that's misinformation. Right. But you came you up with the on, technology. On, you on know what this it. is. Mm -hmm. So my first question out the gate, Dr. Malone, is what is mRNA? What type of technology is that? And what was it meant for? Originally intent. What was the original intent? So thanks for asking that. Uh, it's a scary acronym. It sounds really intimidating. It's kind of frightening. What is mRNA? Uh, and uh, I often get asked the question, did you create it? And the answer is no, God created it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. MRNA, mRNA is messenger ribonucleic acid. That's what that means. And what it's referring to is the way that your cells, all of your cells, all, the cells of a fly, uh, the cells of an earthworm, all communicate from the DNA out to the protein manufacturing machinery using something like a little ticker tape. And that little ticker tape is messenger RNA or messenger ribonucleic acid. So it's a single-stranded nucleic acid. And I know you ladies uh, probably like pearls. So you can think of it as kind of like pearls on a string, only instead of having just one color, you have four different colors and let's call them AUGC, just for the sake of argument. Those are represent fancy scientific words for each of those chemicals. 
that would correspond to the different colors of the four different colored pearls. So that's a good way to think about RNA. It's nothing scary. It's a natural part of your body. Now, the idea here that I came up with in the late 1980s and that for which there was eight or nine issued patents, and those patents include both the ideas, their application, and the proof that the technology works for vaccines. It was all done. It was first done with AIDS virus antigens. But that was all patented in the late 1980s. Uh, what it amounts to is that if you make an RNA in a test tube, and the patents included, and my work included, the development of the methods to do this at large scale, to make sure the RNA was kind of like the RNA in your cells and would work like the RNA in your cells, and methods for slipping that RNA into cells so that it would make protein. That whole suite of things was discovered in the late 80s and uh, then patented, and those patents have long expired. I didn't get any money from this. Just to make it clear, I don't have a financial interest in any of this stuff. But what it what the mRNA vaccines are is a synthetic RNA, the ones that are manufactured and have been injected into so many people. They're not natural RNA. They're manufactured. Remember I said AUGC, mm -hmm. those four different colors of the pearl? Okay, so one of those, uh, the U, is actually a different chemical structure. It's called pseudouridine as opposed to uridine. And that pseudouridine makes it so the RNA doesn't get degraded and it shuts down, uh, here's another fancy word, inflammatory responses, which means kind of your the swelling and pain and things like that that happen right off the bat, like uh, if you, uh, have a thorn uh, get into your body, you know, how that yeah. how that hurts and all that, or when you get a needle injected. So the, R, the regular natural RNA causes inflammatory responses when you do this. It's been one of the major problems. And uh, so what was done by Katie Carrico and Drew Weissman, building off of my patents, was to put this other chemical into the RNA when they synthesize it using the same method that I did. And uh, then they think that they get much better protein manufacturing in your cells, so it works better. Now, I, I disagree with that interpretation, but that is what they claim. The problem with all of this is that it may be a good thing to suppress the inflammation against the RNA, but it's a bad thing to suppress the inflammation in general. So this addition of pseudouridine actually helps, is one of the things that reduces people's immune system function. And it makes it so these RNAs last in your body, according to one major publication, it uh, published from a team at Stanford in a journal called Cell that involved sticking needles into people's lymph nodes on the same shoulder where they got the injection and pulling out bits of cells and looking at how long the RNA stays and how long it continues to make the spike protein. And it turns out that these RNAs are there for at least 60 days in most people. Natural, normal RNA, like was in my original patents, only sticks around for a few hours. So mm. this is something very different. It's not really natural mRNA, like in my early work. It's something different. It's a, not a natural RNA, but that's what they're using. So I hope that helps make sense out of all of this a little bit. It does. Dr. Malone, you mentioned spike protein. When we talk about spike protein, and if what these people created was something totally different than what you created. So are you saying that people can spike protein for 60 days 
So that means that that could possibly spread to other people. So now you're asking the question about shedding, but first let's talk about the spike protein just a little tiny bit more. Okay. Okay. Uh, when you get when you get the virus infection, you the virus makes the spike protein, right? And the spike protein is attached to the virus or attached to your cells by one part that is the kind of the attachment point. And we call that the S2. Uh, and then it has another part that's attached to that that's long that has the receptor binding domain, the thing that attaches to the receptor and helps the virus infect. And that's called S1. And between S1 and S2, there's a place that it can be clipped so that the S1 stays, uh, I'm sorry, the S1 goes in the circulation, the S2 stays in the cell. The, the fraction that gets clipped off is the same, whether it's from the virus or from the mRNA vaccine. It is identical, okay? And the data show from this same paper and others that the levels of spike protein produced from the vaccine are in your blood are much higher for a longer period of time than you get with a natural infection. So that helps explain why you get things that happen with the vaccines, adverse events, that you don't get so much with the natural infection. Now, what kind of things are though, those? There's a variety of things that are directly traceable to the spike protein subunit that's cut loose and is free in your body, it's circulating in your blood. And one of the most important things is that it helps trigger blood clotting. That's a problem. And mm -hmm. a lot of this disease seems to be driven by very odd blood clotting, what we call microcoagulopathy. That's a big word. Little tiny mm -hmm. blood clots. Those little tiny blood clots get jammed in your uh, capillaries, the thin blood vessels in your body. And uh, depending on where they get jammed, they can cause all kinds of problems. They can cause brain fog. They can influence your hearing or the tinnitus, um, cause you to feel dizzy. They can affect your heart. They can affect your lung function. They can affect your kidneys, etc. So there's uh, the blood clotting is now more and more seen as a major problem. And it is caused by the spike subunit that is set free in your blood that's the identical between the vaccine and the uh, natural infection. All of those things are indisputable. Any fact checker that wants to fact check that can do so until the cows come home. But the facts are the facts. It is well established in the literature that that subunit of spike that gets released from either the virus or the vaccine is a toxin. It does a number of things, including these blood clotting problems. It binds to platelets and that can cause an autoimmune disease of your platelets. It opens up the blood brain barrier in your brain and in your children's brain. That's not a good thing uh, because that barrier is there to protect your brain. There's many things that spike does and this spike subunit does that cause damage to people's bodies, including your children's body. And that's why long ago on that famous Dark Horse podcast with Brett Weinstein and Steve Kirsch, I said mm -hmm. spike is a toxin. And uh, the fact checkers went into a tailspin over that. But I'm sorry, the data was sound then. And it's even stronger now, clearly yeah. spike the toxin. These vaccines are causing your body to manufacture a toxin. And that there's many different problems with this vaccine technology. It was rushed and the positively charged fats have problems also. It's not just the spike, but for sure, the spike protein itself damages uh hearts, lungs, brain, et cetera, of people. 
including your children. Oh, okay, do, do, okay. Dr. Malone, uh, let me ask you this here. So when you catch COVID, some people catch it, they start having lung problems, uh, they start coughing up all of this stuff. Can you catch COVID without even having any of that or you just develop a blood clot? You can, in particular with Omicron. So the earlier variants that uh, were circulating <clears throat> in late 2019 and in 2020, the Wuhan one-like variants through the Delta variant, which was kind of last, just before Christmas. Remember uh, around uh, um, Halloween time last mm -hmm. year, there was a version of the virus that a lot of people were getting it was just nasty. It was hard to treat. Physicians were tearing their hair out. It was worse than anything we'd seen before. And then this new variant uh, developed and started circulating in South Africa was the first place that people, scientists really became aware of it. And it was called Omicron. And the South African uh, scientists and virologists are some of the best in the world. They have been dealing, they deal with viruses all the time, and they've been well-funded to do research on AIDS and other things. And they did a fantastic job of characterizing the uh, Omicron strains as they were starting to infect through Johannesburg, et cetera. And they showed that Omicron was not causing such bad disease but it was much more infectious. And I read those data, listened to carefully what they were saying. And then you may recall that I went on Laura Ingram around Christmas time. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I said, uh, good news, everybody. It looks like Omicron is kind of gonna be a Christmas present and mm -hmm. it causes much less disease. It's gonna infect all of us, unfortunately. And it's going to act like a vaccine. And in fact, that's exactly what's happened. Wow. Okay. Go ahead. I have go a, I have a question. Ahead. So if you caught COVID without getting a jab, you did not get vaccinated or the jab or whatever, but you caught COVID via inf being infected, not injected. Natural infection. Natural, Natural infection. How long will those spike proteins stay in your body? I'm not aware of a paper that has investigated that. It appears that it might, the spike protein might be staying in your body for weeks to maybe a month, uh, maybe a month and a half, but it all depends. Every human, every person is different, right? That we're all right. it's, uh, celebrate our diversity, but uh, our diversity goes all the way down to our genes. It's not our color that matters. It's the genes of our immune responses. And uh, so each of us has slightly different biology in terms of our ability to fight F viruses. And unfortunately, some of us have various types of immunodeficiencies. It doesn't have to be AIDS. It can be that you're being treated for cancer. There's many different kinds of immunodeficiencies. And those that are have a immunodeficiency may have a very long clinical course, may become chronically infected. A fraction of people become chronically infected with these viruses, particularly with Omicron. And they can continue walking about and shedding virus, generally feeling pretty crummy, uh, but uh, still infectious. And I think it is a good idea to. Uh, in your house, have some of these test kits. They're not perfect, but to be able to be aware of whether or not you're actually infected, or at least the test tells whether you are, it's not as good as a pregnancy test, but it's pretty good. These little strips that give you a color mark. And, mm -hmm. uh, and you can see if you're chronically infected and, and take the proper measures, including getting some good drugs on board. But unfortunately, these people that do get chronically infected seem to be the ones in particular, not to say other people don't have it also, that are the virus is breeding 
what we call escape mutants that mm -hmm. avoid the immune system. And that's where we get this uh, BA4 and BA5, and now there's another version of BA2, these new Omicron mutants that are much more infectious, but none of them seem to be particularly more uh, good for developing disease. They don't seem to be causing bad disease. They're just more infectious. And, and what we've been hoping, and I've spoken about this for almost two years now, in many cases over time, a new virus that moves into the human population or any animal population will gradually become more infectious, but cause less disease. And mm. there's evolutionary okay. reasons for that. But fortunately, so far, that looks like kind of the way that this virus is progressing also. I hope that helps. Okay. D Dr. Malone, yes. I do have another question. Um, does the vaccine or COVID messes with your red blood cells? And the reason why I'm asking, because a young lady got her teenage, no, she's not even a teenager, her child vaccinated, and the child done ate a whole hole. <laughs> I don't want to say it like this, done ate a whole hole in the wall. And when you're eating holes in your wall, it's something nutritional. You're missing something. She's eating the sheet She's rock. eating the sheetrock out of the wall that ate a really big hole in the wall. And this is happening uh, after she's been vaccinated. And that's why I'm not laughing, but I'm just like, does this affect your red blood cells? So I don't know how to say how you can draw a line from a behavior like uh, eating drywall uh, to red blood cells. I would be more inclined to think that there's something about her brain that might have been influenced young child rather than red blood cells. That's kind of a leap, but it's absolutely true that the spike protein, whether it's from the infection or from the vaccine, does influence blood clotting. It does bind to platelets, which are the part of your of your blood that's mm -hmm. important for building the clots that kind of block the main flow of blood out of vessels and things like that, um, and can cause autoimmune diseases. And autoimmune diseases can cause all kinds of very odd uh, symptoms and behaviors. So I this friend or colleague of yours that has this behavior, I I really suggest that that's something if if your friend can find a physician that they trust, that okay. is willing to work with them, a pediatrician, this is something that really ought to be looked at because it's there's that's nothing there's nothing in textbooks, medical textbooks that says uh, this is things that cause people to eat drywall. So that's going to well, take well, a well, real. Well, long. If, 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 if she took the vaccine and the vaccine is like a spike protein and it may affect the red blood cells, couldn't that be signs of pica? That's when you're severely anemic and you don't have enough red blood cells to do whatever. It causes you to eat the unnatural crave, things or crave unnatural things. things. So that's why I'm, it, I'm it's thinking. absolutely possible that there's okay. a nutritional issue here. And that's why I say this is complicated. This is uh, mm -hmm. what you're talking to me about is really something that is going to be uh, requiring an investigation. Somebody who is willing to really get in there and try to figure it out. Remember the old House TV TV program? Yes. Dr. House. It's going to yes. take somebody like Dr. House that's really interested in figuring this out. So uh, I encourage your friend and anybody that is having odd symptoms in their children from any cause, whether it's vaccine related or not, to try okay. to find a good doc that'll help them and help them get to the bottom of it. Because children are what matter, right? This is our right, future. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, Dr. Merlon, um, here's a question. Is there a way for you to rebuild your blood? barrier blood brain barrier so i think kind of if i can rephrase your question 
I okay. get the question all the time, is there anything I can do to fix uh, the problems that have happened either with the vaccine or with the disease? Um, okay. There's long COVID. Uh, this is this chronic disease, and I've had it myself um, uh, because I've been infected actually multiple times now. And I'm also damaged from the vaccine. And I take blood pressure medicine now that I didn't used to have to take. Wow. So both the vaccine, uh, and that's called post-vaccination syndrome, and the virus infection, that's called PASC or long COVID, can cause a group of symptoms like the brain fog and the ringing in the ears and dizziness and narcolepsy and pot syndrome, and it just goes on and on and on. They can all cause this. And right now, there are many doctors all over the world that are starting to become very focused on these microclots and hmm. whether or not these very small blood clots might be causing this. Because if you have the plumbing in your brain or the, the nerves that innervate your ear or your heart or any of these organs that are getting plugged up at the level of the little tiny small blood vessels, mm -hmm. it can cause many symptoms. And that does appear to be happening. There's good evidence of that, these odd blood clots. And of course, most of us have seen the pictures of the deep venous thrombosis or these very right. odd large blood clots that the uh, embalmers are observing when they're preparing mm -hmm. the body of the deceased. And uh, that's all signs of very odd blood clotting. And doctors all over the world are starting to get close to understanding this. I'm going to probably be putting out a Substack article tomorrow together with my good friend and colleague, Dr. Ryan Cole, pathologist, that summarizes a lot of this data. Now, the good news is, if we're right, and many of these symptoms are caused by uh, blood clotting in ways that are not normal, we have a group of drugs that can be used to treat this kind of odd blood clotting. And some of them, one is named Pixaban, are already routinely used in the treatment of severe uh, COVID-19 disease. And so it may be that uh, a combination of these blood clotting medicines may be useful for people that have these chronic symptoms after either the infection or the vaccines, and it may give them some relief. There's signs of that, but we don't have large clinical trials, but doctors are just like before, doctors are bravely trying to help their patients, even though uh, there's all this pushback, but uh, there is encouraging signs that treating this microcoagulation, these little tiny blood clots, may be providing many people with uh, relief from their symptoms. Okay, one thing about the blood clot. Is it different if you got the, if you got COVID, the Omicron and, or the vaccine? Are the blood clots that, that you get from the vaccines different for Omicron or is it the same? How is it that some people can get rid of blood clots and it takes some people longer, even though it's being treated with blood thinners and the shots and it takes it, their body longer to dispel the blood clot? So uh, with all of us, like we were talking before, we have different genetics. Our okay. bodies are in different conditions. Uh, some of us have uh, spent too much time at McDonald's. Uh, etc. <laughs> and and so uh, there's many different. Some of us may have some diabetes problems, which okay. in, uh, can alter the um, characteristics of their blood vessels, and all of these things come into play uh, in causing and relieving or or curing blood clotting. So. Okay. Uh, for good or better, you know, for better, for worse, we're all different. Uh, we celebrate our diversity, but 
Uh, also, sometimes uh, some of us uh, can be sicker or more resistant to certain types of treatments that other people are. And that seems to be what's going on. Now you raise an important question. Is there any difference in this blood clotting problem between different isolates of SARS-CoV-2? Mm -hmm. Delta, for instance, it could well be that Delta was worse for this blood clotting compared to Omicron. And I am not aware of any papers or data, published information that have looked carefully at the difference in blood clotting with these different virus isolates. I think okay. you've raised an important question that I'm not aware of having anyone having answered, but it's absolutely in the, in the range of possible things that could be going on. Okay, Dr. Malone, okay, so we talk about the blood clot issue. Um, when we're talking about this issue, dealing with blood clots, and, and 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 what can people do? Do they need to take an aspirin a day? I mean, I know I'm not telling people to go run out and buy aspirins. Make sure you consult with your doctor. What can they do to make sure? Because we see a lot of people just passing away in their sleep. Mm -hmm. And and I'm like, what, what what just makes you pass away in your sleep? I said, it's got to be secretory. Could this have been like a secretory? Is COVID a secretory massacre? And then once you take the vaccine, that may take you out of here. I mean, I'm just trying to figure this all out. I've just well, never seen as, so many as, people. As are, as are we all. So we're all in this together of trying to figure it out. And um, what you're saying is actually makes a lot of sense. And it's consistent with what a lot of people are thinking. So just because you don't have a fancy degree doesn't mean you can't think for yourself. Uh, I'm okay. And good but let's talk about that just for a minute. Um, right. uh, we're not providing anybody that's listening with medical advice. I'm not advising right. anybody. You're not advising anybody. We're just talking among ourselves right now. And anybody that has any symptoms should seek proper medical attention from a licensed medical care provider. Just so we want to say that. Uh, so that we don't get any of us in trouble. I can tell you that I take a baby aspirin every single day. And I sometimes take two or more, or maybe even a regular aspirin when I fly on airplanes. Blood clots in your legs in airplanes is a major problem. And I've had two of the physicians that, that tour with us have had blood clots in their legs that went to their lungs and caused problems and put them in the hospital. I will keep their uh, names private out of respect, but mm -hmm. even doctors that are very familiar with this can still have this problem. So I personally take a baby aspirin every day because of this uh, possibility. And I can tell you for sure that the literature peer-reviewed literature demonstrates that, yes, this horse drug called aspirin uh, can be beneficial with COVID-19. And uh, it's not a cure-all, but absolutely, it's clear many, many physicians and medical scientists now have agreed that a major component of the disease called COVID-19 is driven by uh, alterations in blood clotting, um, uh, incorrect blood clotting. And it okay. is routine that in managing COVID-19 in the hospital, anticoagulant drugs are used. So that's what I can say about this. And um, your comments are on the money, exactly right. Uh, but we, we do have to be careful here on this kind of open line to not right. dispense medical advice. That's right. right. And we're not giving anybody any advice. Please consult your yeah. physician. We're just trying to figure some things out. And have an open dialogue. Because, see, that's what was missing within the last two years, being able to have an open dialogue to try to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And now we are here two years later still trying to figure this out. And thank God for Frank's speech. 
Thank God for Mike Lindell for allowing us this platform to have an open dialogue right. and utilize our First Amendment rights so that we can have free speech so, and, 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 and learn something. We're learning something from a reputable person, somebody who is a doctor, somebody who was involved with the mRNA creation. So if they're putting mRNA in the vaccines and they want we, the American people, to take this mess, because remember, they told us that black people, especially black people with we disproportionately affected by all of this and you have to get a jab, then we, especially me as a black woman, should be able to ask a question openly and should be able to get a response right. back without being censored. Now, my question when we speak about mRNA, doctor, my question is, do you know if the mRNA, if this technology was also used in the flu vaccine? So I know a lot about flu vaccines. I spent much of my career working on that, and I used to manage a very large federal contract designed to focused on building a better influenza vaccine that was manufactured in cultured cells rather than in eggs. So I understand this area quite well. And uh, there is in development mRNA-based vaccines, and some of them are in clinical testing right now, that employ this RNA technology. You remember that I mentioned that the first reduction to practice was of the RNA technology back in the, it's actually about 1990, was the use of mRNA coding for AIDS proteins, the mm -hmm. envelope and the net protein. Soon after that, experiments were done with DNA vaccines, which is very similar, involving influenza. And they used a mouse model for influenza. And Doug Richman and his team, after I left Vical, uh, developed the system and demonstrated that it would work. And it was on that basis that the technology was sold to Merck. <clears throat> Unfortunately, in humans... Oh. Uh, we could, no one could ever make an influenza vaccine using the DNA vaccine technology that worked as well as a egg-based, uh, uh, protein-based vaccine, like is the one that's traditional in the influenza vaccines that we've all received. The problem with all of this is that the influenza vaccines these days are not working very well. They have mm -hmm. about a 20 to 35% effectiveness, very similar to the effectiveness that we're now seeing with the COVID vaccines. And mm -hmm. that seems to be due to the same kind of immunologic process called immune imprinting that's otherwise known as original antigenic sin. Now, there are many papers out about this, both for influenza vaccines and for COVID vaccines. And the government has largely ignored the COVID vaccine literature on this. But just recently, there are some articles that are starting to show up in the uh, uh, corporate uh, press that are starting to talk about this and acknowledge that it's a problem. So in sum, regular influenza vaccines do not employ RNA or DNA vaccine technology. There okay. is an intranasal cold adapted influenza vaccine that's very effective in the first few times it's used and seems to be a little more effective in children. But if you keep using it, its effectiveness also drops. That's called fluness. Okay. Most of the influenza vaccines are produced in eggs, which is why if you have egg allergies, that's a problem. And what they do is they take an egg that's fertilized, so it's got a little embryo, and they inject influenza virus into that, and it grows on the embryo. And then the little, it's not a chick yet, but they break the egg open, and they grind it all up, and they purify the influenza proteins and that goes into the shot that you get for your regular influenza vaccine. 
They are testing and seeking to develop influenza vaccines that are based on the mRNA technology. Personally, I would not encourage somebody to, let's say, make an investment, not that I'm an investment counselor in such technology, because the regular influenza vaccines are very inexpensive to produce. About $8 a dose is what they get sold to the CDC for. That's going to be hard to beat. But the hope that Moderna and Pfizer and BioNTech have is that this RNA technology might make for a more effective influenza vaccine. We have yet to see whether or not that turns out to be the case. Okay. Well, another question, Uh, Dr. Malone. uh, I'm hearing a lot of people are having issues with their thyroid, with their thyroid that never had issues with their thyroid. All of a sudden they're either hyper or hypo and just things are happening. Does this disease or this virus or the vaccine affect people's thyroid? Um, I think that there's some growing evidence to support that. And again, remember your thyroid, which is down here, Mm -hmm. is influenced by some glands up here in your brain. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's this uh, axis that controls the thyroid function. And both the thyroid and the little gland up here in your brain that controls it can be altered by these little micro blood clots. So uh, then the other thing that can happen is it may be that there could be a autoimmune disease being developed in some people that's often associated with these alterations in thyroid processes. And I don't know of any solid clinical tests that show that there's that relationship, but it's certainly a possibility to look into. So I I would not in any way discount the possibility that either the vaccine or the infection might have some effects on thyroid function in some people. And I speculate that that could be caused by the subunit of the spike protein, but it could be caused by other things also. Okay. You, you got a question? Okay. Now let's get back to the blood clots. And with the blood clots, they the funeral homes were pulling out different types of clot. And some people are alleging that it could be metal that's in people's body. But there is something that our body makes. I think it's called fibrin, F-I-B-R-I-N. I hope I'm saying it right. I may not be because yep. I'm not a doctor at all. And what that does is that helps protect your vessels. But then after a while, it also helps clear out the clot. Could this, whatever they, whatever is going around, could it be where the fibrin don't clear out the clot, it just keeps the clot there? And whether you throw blood thinners at it, it just keeps it there instead of this here being some type of metal metal something. Because if this is something that's attached to the tissue, isn't that a, like a living thing? I mean, it, I don't know what I'm talking about. But you're actually what you're doing is you're touching on a number of things that are real and they're real concerns. And just because you don't have all the fancy words doesn't mean that you're not thinking properly. Okay, so it's all good. Okay, let's talk about the uh, metals that may or may not be in these blood clots. Okay. Okay. So uh, some there there's no question that some of the contaminated lots of vaccine produced in processes that uh, for some reason went wrong have included small metal filings. This was the cause for uh, withdrawal of a number of vaccine lots in Japan, for example. And uh, both glass chips and metal filings are known to happen sometimes in vaccine vials. It has to do with the machinery that's used to make the vaccines and the machinery that's used to 
fill the little tiny vials and put the stopper on and crimp the stopper. And those machines, if they're out of alignment slightly, can cause these kinds of problems. And the manufacturer of these kinds of RNA vaccine products involve uh, metal pumps, and those metal pumps can wear out. And that might be a source of some of these metal filings that are in some vaccine lots, not all. Okay. Mm-hmm. But... Um, my friend Ryan Cole has examined over 40 of these clots. And under the microscope, it's easy to find crystals in metal filings and things like that by using a polarizer, a pol- like, like the polarized lens on your sunglasses that help you to see in bright sunlight. You can use that in your microscope. And what will happen is that if there is a metal filing or a crystal or something, when the light hits that um, under polarized light, it'll make it go sideways. And you can see that really easy in the microscope. So Ryan is a very well-qualified pathologist, and he's looked carefully at many of these clots, uh, particularly the post-mortem clots from the autopsies. And he hasn't found any evidence of metal filings or other crystals. Now, there is a paper out just recently that claims that they do find this. So it may well be that there are some contaminated vaccine lots that give rise to some of these blood clotting problems that some people are seeing, some pathologists, and other pathologists are looking at blood clots that haven't had this contamination, and they don't see it. So it's going to take a little time to figure that out, but it's absolutely true that there is very odd or aberrant blood clotting going on with Mm -hmm. both the post-vaccination as well as with the natural infection. But many people seem to think that it's more common with the post-vaccination. And these clots have, you mentioned fibrin, Fibrin is actually one of the components of the blood clot. It's a protein in your blood that when it gets processed, it helps form these clots and cross-link them to make them solid. And it appears that in the presence of the spike protein, some of this process of cross-linking goes odd. It It doesn't happen in the right way. And the proteins and the fibrin that results are misfolded, okay? So it's like the spaghetti's all tangled up in ways that it normally isn't. And so the little enzymes or drugs that are injected can't can't cut those little spaghetti strands in the same way they would normally. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense, yes. 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 Go ahead. I I know our time is, is, is about to end, but it feels like, some something has interfered with our cycle of life, living, um, God, natural order and process. Uh, I can feel it. I can see it. Um, and I'm beginning to understand it, uh, understand it, um, especially as it pertains to when you talk about the blood, you need that in order to live. Right. So uh, somebody called this here uh, gene therapy. Uh, is it best to refer to it as that, like a gene therapy, where this is something that's made up? Because the virus, I know that it's not of a natural occurrence, but to have the the vaccine, we ca- we call it a vaccine because that's what we have. They've labeled it. That's what we've been told to call it. But is this like some type of gene therapy, or or what? What is the okay? Let's let's part? talk about that. Talk about that for just a minute. Yes, sir. Um, uh, and and this is another thing that I got attacked for saying early on uh, by the fact checkers. And uh, the reason, so let me just back all the way up. I was, when I made these discoveries, I was working in a gene therapy lab at the Salk Institute. Um. It was one of the leading gene therapy labs in the world. 
The uh, lead postdoc in the lab went on to create a company called Crucell, which got sold to Johnson & Johnson. And it's his technology that is the basis for the Janssen or the J&J vaccine for COVID-19, just to say. And that's also based on gene therapy. Now, why is this gene therapy? Why do I say that? And I think because I invented it, I, it's a, it's, I, can, I can have an opinion on this. Um, it involves injecting genetic material that's made in the test tube into your body. And it is producing a response in your body that is potentially therapeutic. It's beneficial. So it is a administered genetic material. RNA is a... There are many viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, that only use RNA for their genes, okay? So you are injecting a virus gene in the form of an mRNA into your body when you accept one of these vaccines. Now, Moderna and BioNTech, BioNTech is actually the manufacturer, Pfizer is more the distributor uh, for the Pfizer vaccine commonality. Um, but uh, they, in their security and exchange filings, SEC filings, so that has to do with the stock market, they have previously said and disclosed that these are gene therapies and they should be, they anticipated the risks associated with gene therapies. The reason why the fact checkers attacked me was because this word, gene therapy, which in fact these absolutely are, requires that the FDA or the European Medicines Agency regulate these differently. They have checklists for things. And what they did is they only used the vaccine checklist for their approval process, which is a very simple checklist because normally old school, old technology vaccines don't have very high risks for things like alterations of your genes, uh, causing genetic uh, modifications, potentially causing problems with, uh, em for, with the embryo development, et cetera. But gene therapy technology involving foreign genetic material does. And the FDA and the EMA, as they were trying to rush these under emergency use authorization, only applied the vaccine checklist, not the gene therapy checklist. Many of us who are professionals in this area believe this was fundamentally wrong. It was a bad decision, and it has resulted in many of the problems that we've observed ever since. If we had known in animals, uh, all of the things that we should have known, we could probably have better directed the use of these products and not had them deployed worldwide and causing wow. so many problems for so many people. But that's what happened. So the reason why there's all this effort in the corporate media and social media from the censors and the fact checkers is because if they acknowledge that these vaccine products are also gene therapy products, then they have a major problem in terms of liability, a breach mm -hmm. of normal FDA processes and all that kind of stuff. But I'm sorry, they are genetic therapies and they were called genetic therapies by all of these companies in their stock filing before COVID happened. So that's just a wow. false narrative being promoted by the quote fact checkers because uh, the, the inconvenient truth here is that the FDA and the EMA didn't do their jobs because they only treated these like traditional vaccines and they're obviously not. Wow. Interesting. Dr. Malone. I wish I had another hour, hour that we you, could sit I have here. So many more questions. Dr. Malone, we're gonna have to have you back on. This has been a wealth it, of it information. It would be my pleasure. It would be my oh, pleasure, ladies. 
there you have many fans. I can tell you when I told people I was going to go on Diamond and Silk, they were like, oh, I love those those ladies. So um, I thank you for the honor of uh, speaking with you and your audience today. And uh, I, I look forward to the next chance we do uh, speak again. And um, uh, also want to give a shout out to Mr. Lindell for his support and all that he's done. Uh, I, I often make a joke. Uh, I don't always buy pillows, but when I do, I buy them from uh, mypillow.com. Yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, God Dr. Malone, you. thank you so much for thank being you. on the show. We're going to have you back very soon. Thank very you so soon. much for being on. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Wow. You all, that was an interesting. Y'all, you can follow him on Getter. Uh -huh, right, okay. Dr. Malone is on Getter. He's you all, on Getter. go over there. Make sure yes. you follow him if you're over there on Getter. You yes. all, he has a wealth of information, and yes. I say shame on the fact checkers, shame on the media, yes. shame on the people that's trying to keep things from us yes. that we need to be knowing about. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Shame so yeah, I was them. just gonna say he's he's on Getter. He's at rwmalonemd.com mm -hmm. so you can go there make sure you follow him there on getter a lot of these other social media platforms have kicked them off or, or tried to, or censor, try to him. censor him right um, because they don't want us to know the truth right and okay? we need to know this we, we need to we, know the we truth. need to know this so we can stay as healthy as possible yeah and listen make sure you consult your doctor That's if right. you have any issues. That's right. Okay. That's but while right. we love to bring people on yes. so that we, we got to know what's going on, you all. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing too much stuff. I'm, I'm seeing too many things. Yes. And I'm like, okay, what's happening here? Yes. And, and if we can all put our brains together, you never know what we can all come up with. We, we could have all came up with a whole lot more other stuff mm -hmm. within the last two years. Right. Had you know, they not try to censor us, but right. I'm so grateful. Well, for... I do want to go to commercial break and we break. We got time to go to commercial break. Well, we got time to. Okay. To All right. We're going to go to commercial break and, and we'll, we'll be, be right, right back. back. Don't forget about Grave Care, you all, where they break down health care barriers to save you time and money. Mm -hmm. Go to GraveCare.com. Use promo code TRUMP1 to sign up for your first bundle. If you're having problems when it comes to these hospitals, when it comes to these doctors, it's not just about the pandemic. It can be about anything. anything. GraveCare.com. Use promo code TRUMP1 to receive a discount. Also, don't forget about the Hypochlorous Body Spray. Yes. If you want to keep pathogens, viruses, and bacteria at bay, go to CBSpray.com and get your hypochlorous spray. If you haven't gotten your potassium iodine, if you need hydroxychloroquine, or if you need ivermectin, go to drstellamd.com. Yes. And we've been talking about the circulatory system or how it affects and impacts everything. Go over there to the Dr. Artist Show mm -hmm. and pick up you something for that. Everything use promo code Trump one. Now listen, I know what everything I said. I don't want you to get a little hasty, but I want you to go over there and get you some tasty at mystore.com. Um, get the my coffee, the pods. They are available. Even get you a nice coffee cup. You can get that at mystore.com. Use promo code Trump one mm -hmm. to receive a discount. That's mystore.com. Right. I say the best part to waking up is not being woke, but being awake with, <laughs> with my, my coffee. <laughs> I love it, y'all. I love it. So make sure. Also, don't forget about mypillow.com. Yes. Use promo code Trump1 to receive up to 66% off your entire purchase over there. Don't forget about our book, UprisingMyStore.com. Promo code Trump1. Don't forget about our bumper sticker and our t-shirt. Yes. It took 2,000 views to install one jackass. Mm -hmm. DiamondAndSoup.com. Use promo code Trump1 as well. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. I love right. it, Silk. I, I love it. it. I Listen, love thank it. everybody. I want to thank everybody for being on Getter. Everybody that watched us on Roku. This yes. was a very informative show. Make sure you share. Make sure you share, share, yes. share. Sharing is caring. Listen, every day at 1121 a.m., we every pray. Day. We pray for you. I hope you're praying for us. We believe in prayer. Prayer changes things. That's hey, right. hey. We was just coming to give y'all the 211. We call it the 211 because it's two of and us. Two giving it to you. So in the meantime and in between time, we will see you all next time right here on Diamond and Silk Chit Chat Live. Bye-bye. Bye. You're watching Lindell TV.
Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and due to your incredible support, the original My Slippers are almost completely sold out. As a special thank you, I am launching my brand new all-season slippers, slides, and sandals for as low as $29.98. This is a limited time offer, so go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code and you'll get all my new footwear for as low as $29.98. My all-season slippers are made with my exclusive four-layer design that you won't find in any other slipper. They're finished with a breathable fabric so you can wear them all year round. And my new slides and sandals are made with patented impact gel, making them ultra comfortable and extremely durable. I guarantee they'll be the most comfortable footwear you'll ever own. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen now to get your very own all-season slipper slides and sandals for as low as $29.98 with your promo code. This is an introductory offer and it won't last long, so order now. Hey, y'all. Hey. We're Diamond and Silk. Mm-hmm. We heard y'all been looking for us. That's what we heard. Well, let me tell you where you can find us. Tell You can now find us on Frank's Speech, Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh-huh. That's frankspeech.com. We want to see your face in a place. 